Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all, I feel like shit. Remember like on Tuesday's episode, like my voice was all scratchy? I like came down with something, not COVID. We actually left Cancun a day early. It was raining and cloudy most of the time we were in Cancun. We spent a good portion of our vacation in robes, drinking champagne in bed. Which, you know, isn't a bad vacation. I mean, that sounds very first world problems, because it is. We went to the spa twice, which was great. But I was like, I could do that in L.A. I wanted to go to the beach, pop champagne in the jacuzzi. But that wasn't the vacation we had. We may do. We did have a good time, but I was just kind of over it. And so was Bestie. She really wanted to come home. I was like, I would have, like, roughed it out another day. But she has a nine to five. She was like, if I can't go to the beach or, or get on a boat, then I'd rather just go home. I'd rather just not take the PTO. And I was like, damn, that's, yeah, you're really not having a good time. I was all right. Like, I can work from anywhere. But she was over it. So I was like, well, let's go home then. So we did. So I'm back in L.A. this morning. I got back late last night. I didn't get home until like 10 o'clock. I didn't feel that great. I had to take a COVID test to get on the plane to get back into the country. So I knew I wasn't COVID sick. But that little minor cough that I had was getting worse and worse. It was getting like deeper. And then I woke up this morning and my throat was super, super sore to the point that I was like, I'm probably not going to do the podcast. Like talking for 45 minutes or an hour is probably not a good idea. But I had some Alka-Seltzer and I had some tea. So it, it sounds a little off, but it doesn't hurt anymore. I don't know what's wrong with me. I really think it's allergies. Like there's nothing wrong anywhere else. Like my head isn't clouded. My body doesn't ache. I did get home last night, though, and there was no food. I threw stuff out because I was going away for a week and I didn't want it to, you know, turn bad while I was gone. So I came home and there's like no food. So I went in the cabinet and I was like, oh, well, just have like some popcorn or something, just something. So I'm eating the popcorn and I was like, oh, my God, it has no taste. Oh, my God, do I have COVID? And I'm like, why can't I taste the popcorn? And then I realized that, you know, trying to be healthy and shit, I had got the unbuttered, unsalted popcorn. I eat that instead of like chips or something that's unhealthy. You know, sometimes you're just feeling like peckish. That's why I got it. But I was like, oh, my God, I have COVID. I can't taste anything. And it was like, oh, no, I don't. I'm fine. I need an adult. I really do. I need supervision because I'd be out here just. (laughs) (laughs) Just confused by life. Just confused. It was actually a good vacation, despite the weather, despite the rain. I actually had fun. It just wasn't the type of vacation that I was looking for. Like, I wanted to do, like, a full turn-up. I want to ride ATVs, and I want to get on a boat, and I want to go to the cenotes. And we were in Cancun, and I was like, I want to go to Playa, and then I want to go, like, a day in Tulum, and I want to see if we can go to Hobosh. Like, I wanted to do all the things. And I sat in a robe and drank champagne for most of it. But I only gained a pound, which I was really proud of myself. I took all my workout clothes and my scale with me. And didn't work out, like, not one single day. I did walk around the resort a lot, though. And it is a big resort. It's got to count for something. I mean, clearly it counts for something. Because I was, like, mainlining champagne and only gained a pound. I'll be back in the gym later today. I'm going to record this podcast and then edit this podcast and then take a nap. And then go to the gym. And then I'm going to ship out all your merchandise orders. Like, y'all were just ordering away while I was gone. Thank you. I appreciate you. I told you everything must go. Apparently you're hearing me. Because y'all are like, fine, fine, let's go, let's take it, we'll take it. So you keep giving us discounts, we'll keep buying. Absolutely, absolutely, fair game. I depart for Ghana later this summer. Everything in this warehouse must go. Like, absolutely everything. 
So if you have not been on DemetriaLLucas.com, which many of you have. So again, thank you. There's still merchandise left. Like y'all have wiped out entire lines of things. Again, thank you. But there's still some stuff left. If you want interested men act interested or cut the check or the white and gold ratchet and respectable hoodies. I think we have them in every size but small. The green crewnecks are gone. I think there's one hoodie left. All the tees with the logos, those are gone. There's six logo hoodies left in an XL. And I think one small. And then also the Don't Waste Your Pretty Mugs. They come in red and pink. And they're $12 right now. There's some of those left as well. So again, if you haven't been to DemetriaLLucas.com to pick up your merch while it's cheap, I don't plan to ever have a warehouse that needs to be liquidated again. So this is probably the biggest sale you'll ever get for Ratchet and Respectable merchandise. If you are interested, and I hope that you are, please pick it up. DemetriaLLucas.com. What else is going on? My friend just hit me and she was like, P-Valley comes back tonight. I'm barbecuing. I was like, people are so excited to just be doing something. And I want to go so bad. But I was like, I can't show up to an event, even in a mask, um, with the cough that I have. People are going to look at me like, ooh, the contaminated. Why are you outside? I know folks stopped wearing masks because the federal judge said, you know, folks ain't got to wear them anymore. But I also just like to point out to people that a federal judge is not a doctor. The doctors weren't saying don't wear your mask. Also, COVID is surging in like a whole bunch of different cities. And then I was reading about like monkeypox. And I was like, oh, God, as uncomfortable this mask is in this heat, I'd rather just wear it. Especially got people out here coughing like me. If this is not allergies. Oh, my friend is hitting me back. The one who's barbecuing. She was like, you have allergies. She said, mine have been crazy all week. I was like, I hope you're not coughing over the barbecue, ma'am. No, she's good. And cooks her ass off. I really might have to drive over and be like, bring me a plate downstairs. <laughs> Send up a bottle for the crew. What else is going on? Do we have good black news? I saw The Wire celebrating its 20th anniversary. I watched The Wire from start to finish at least 10 times, probably more like 20. But yesterday I got this notice from HBO that The Wire turns 20. I thought they had put up like a, a special episode, like honoring the 20th anniversary. If they did, I can't find it because I looked for it last night. But I did find that they're doing a new podcast, Method Man is the host, and they're interviewing, obviously, the creators of The Wire, along with characters on the show, to talk about, you know, what The Wire means after 20 years. I think they might be going, if not season by season, possibly episode by episode, which I'm highly looking forward to. I thought about, for years, doing a Wire podcast. There are several of them, but I don't know if there can be too many. Like, I'm, I am the biggest Wire fan ever. Like, I sat down and read the Wire Bible for just for kicks. Before I wanted to write for TV, just sat down and read it just because I was like, oh, it's the Wire. Yeah, I love the Wire. I love the Wire. You know I love the Wire. Any situation, I can give you an analogy from the Wire. It's just like my superpower. That's what I do. But the podcast is weird, though. Like, Method Man is a decent actor to me. He's, I guess, I don't know. Maybe he's unfamiliar with podcasts. You can just tell he's reading from a script. And I'm like, Meth, just, just be you, bro. Just be you. But it's like he's trying to sound like newsy or, or professional or something. You know how I be sounding when I read the ads? Y'all hate my ad voice. That's how Method Man sounds the whole podcast. I'm like, bruh, be natural. Poor thing. At least he's new to it. I've been reading these ads for two and change years and still had a, the ad voice. <laughs> Him calls me super early in the morning to wish me a good morning. I'm usually asleep. I have to remember to turn my ringer off before I go to bed. But he calls me and leaves me good morning messages. And I tried to do the same thing back to him. Like I recorded a voice note and then sent it to him. And he was like, don't, don't do that again. I was like, 
why? You don't like my voice notes? Like, I didn't sound sweet. And he was like, no, you sound like your podcast. <laughs> and I was like, that's my voice. And he was like, no, 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 the ads. You sound like the ads. Don't, don't do that again. I, that didn't work for me. <laughs> he was like, just leave a voicemail telling me to call you back. I'll call you. Or send me a text. I was like, damn, bro. Damn. <sighs> you know what? Somebody reminded me the other day. They were like, you never did a post about This Is Us, the series finale. You talked about the series finale coming. It's like, and you recapped episodes for seasons and seasons and years and years. No comment on the series finale? I really like This Is Us. They didn't GOT the ending. It didn't destroy the show. But I really felt like they could have left off with the penultimate episode when Rebecca died and, and called it a life. And it wasn't bad. Let me say that. It wasn't bad. Again, they didn't GOT it. Game of Thrones, if you're not familiar. One of the worst final seasons, series endings ever. Um, like I won't even go back and watch Game of Thrones anymore. I used to just for kicks, like every new season of Game of Thrones, cause it'd be so much time in between seasons. I would go back and watch the entire series from start to finish because it was so, it was such a well-told story. It was so satisfying to watch. And I was like, I just, I can't wait to see how it ends. And then I saw how they ended it and was like, y'all could have kept this shit. That's not the point. The point is, This Is Us was okay. I really wanted to know. I wanted to see what happened to everyone? They did a good job with with uh, with Baby Jack. Grew up, got married, which we knew, became a huge celebrity, which we knew prior. But we saw Baby Jack and his wife. I want to say they had like a little girl. Deja goes to Randall and she says, "You're gonna be a grandfather, and it's a boy." And I wanted to see Randall with his grandson. And I think I kind of wanted to see everybody. How like their life, I don't know necessarily how their life ended per se, but I would have liked to see maybe the girls, maybe the Black Pearson girls, I would love to see them grown up with their own children. I mean, grown up in like their 50s where their kids are grown and maybe have a kid. Maybe I'm thinking way too much. I'm asking for way too much and that's a whole different show. But I just wanted to see like the circle of life, more of the circle of life. I just want to know how everybody ends up. I mean, we've watched the Pearsons like literally from birth. And I just wanted to know, like, I guess how it ended. Somebody noticed there was an Oscar or an Emmy on Kevin's mantle. I would have liked to just see Kevin at the award show accepting it or something like that. I would have liked to see Kate. She was coming from London where she was teaching this music curriculum. I would have liked to see, I don't know, whatever that big thing Kate was doing. I just wanted to see more. I feel like they got stuck in the minutia of Rebecca's funeral. And I was just kind of like, she gone. And you could give her the same, like, two minutes at the tree that you gave Miguel. I'm good. I want to know what happens with everybody else who's still alive. Like, how do their lives end? Again, it was just all right. I realized the other day, a woman said something to me. She wrote in, actually, about um, me not liking Viola's book. She's like, people might have heard your review and might not have bought her book because, you know, you were so negative about it. And I'm okay with that. Like, I try not to be unnecessarily negative about things that are just relatively minor but when I come to y'all and like I talk about stuff my audience is you the listeners it's not Viola Davis I'm not her publicist I mean I, I like Viola very much but I'm not obligated to like her book I'm not obligated to tell people it's good when I don't think it is I think that would be a disservice to you I think one of the reasons people I don't know necessarily listen to this podcast but definitely follow like what's Demetria watching or take like my tv recommendations or even my book recommendations is because you know I'm honest I'm not going to tell you it's good if it's not. 
even in the shows that networks ask me to promote on my social media, I'm like, I need to see the show first. Or it needs to be a project that I'm remotely interested in or my audience would be. Otherwise, they're going to be like, girl, why is this on your timeline? Why? Um, But I feel like if I lied to you about like what was good and what was bad, you'd be like, you don't trust my recommendations. You don't trust my opinion. Like that would that would suck. Like sometimes I really hate something. I might not even mention it. I don't I don't want to go on like a negative rant. So sometimes when I really just don't like something um, very much, I skip over it entirely or I just erase it from memory. Like the This Is Us finale, series finale. My obligation is to, to review stuff honestly. It's not to, um, to be a publicist for anybody. So, yeah. What else? Little Nas X is upset about being snubbed by BET. Rightfully so. Reading this on the route, it says, Little Nas X's BET award snub is the latest example of our failure to recognize black excellence. And it says, even with three songs in the top 10 billboard charts at the same time, hip hop's industry baby, AKA Little Nas X, didn't make the list, which is bizarre. Because didn't they have him perform at the BET Awards last year? Yeah, I'm reading this on BuzzFeed. It says, a year after kissing his backup dancer at the BET Awards, Little Nas X received zero nominations. He tweeted, Little Nas X tweeted, and outstanding zero nominations again. Black excellence. They said he deleted the tweet. He should have left that shit up. He's good enough and popular enough to perform at your award show, but you don't nominate him? He's a black dude who had two number one Billboard singles in the last year, and he doesn't get a nomination for a BET award? He was nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammys. He didn't get a BET nomination? In fairness, he has been nominated for previous awards. He got Best New Artist in 2020. I think that was Old Town Road, though, no? The tweet that I just read you, somebody tweeted back to him and asked him, what did you put out? And don't use that gay shit as an excuse. (sighs) Yo, people got a lot of nerve talking to folks like this. Little Nas X replied, quote, I don't know, maybe three of the biggest songs of last year in a critically acclaimed album. I feel like that should have helped me a bit. You think? Little Nas X went on to say, or tweet, He says, it doesn't even have to be me nominated. I just feel like black gay people have to fight to be seen in this world. And even when we make it to the top, motherfuckers try to pretend we are invisible. I think it's worth pointing out, and BuzzFeed does, Jack Harlow was nominated for a BET award. He's white, in case you don't know who he is. Jack Harlow is the guy, if you've been following this sort of feud between Jack Harlow and Brandy, somebody asked Jack Harlow... I don't know how it came up. I didn't really follow the story that closely until Brandy responded. But Jack Harlow didn't know that Brandy and Ray J were brother and sister. And Brandy felt very slighted by this and came out to say that she would like out rap him and then sing the hook. Which Brandy's had a couple moments where she's rapped. And I don't mean like back in the day. I'm thinking actually of, um, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Brandy on that damn show, Queens. Which she actually was like a really good rapper. Like she has like the energy and the bars. I'm like, I mean, I assume somebody else was writing them for her, but still. Also, wasn't there like a BT cipher where Brandy was rapping? Am I confusing Brandy with Erica Badu? I want to say there was a BT cipher where Brandy was rapping and like she was actually really good. And everybody was like, oh shit, Brandy can rap. I'm looking this up right now. BT cipher Brandy rapping. 
year 2020, I went with my intuition. Black females, we gon' flourish in these conditions. Border front line, not in your kitchen, I'm on a mission. Be seven out now, go streaming for all. Brandy did a little rap and put a crown on it then. I'm not mad. Remember that verses with her and Monica? I was like, I'm so over Brandy. I'm so over it. I was like, that is just a personality type I cannot tolerate. And then after I saw her on Queens, I was like, I love Brandy again. I love Brandy. It's amazing with like one good acting role or good PR move can change somebody's whole mood about you. <sighs> Speaking of people for whom people's moods have changed about, Jada Pinkett Smith, on a recent episode of Red Table Talk, she addressed the slap. I think calling it the slap is incorrect. She addressed the time when her husband got up at the Oscars and slapped the fuck out of Chris Rock. Her most recent episode of Red Table Talk was about alopecia. You know, Chris Rock had made a joke at the Oscars about Jada being bald. Jada has alopecia. She was very offended and she rolled her eyes. And then very shortly after that, Will Smith went on stage and smacked the fuck out of Chris Rock. We don't know what prompted Will to go do that. People keep saying that Jada made him do this. Jada told him to do this. Jada gave him a look that, you know, sicked him on Chris Rock. We have never seen video evidence of this. People have just made that shit up. Jada really hasn't said too much at all about the slap, at least not publicly. The only thing she said is um, this should be a time for healing up until she addressed it on this Red Table talk. Folks have said Jada said shit. There was um, a bunch of the, um, the tabloids had said like sources close to Jada said X, Y, Z. We talked about that at the time, too. And, and I had to point out sources close to Jada saying is not the same as Jada saying. It could very well be her best friend or her publicist speaking to the tabloids off record. It could be that. Or it could be some random mofo who barely knows Jada and was like, I did her hair once 10 years ago. It's sources say, so you don't really know. But she finally did address it on the latest episode of Red Table Talk. I read about it before I saw it, and I thought it was pretty generic. I didn't see anything problematic. And what she said at the very beginning of the episode, she says, and I'm reading this on People. I actually watched a video, too. I'll tell you why in a second. But I read it on People first. Jada says, quote, about Oscar night, my deepest hope is that these two intelligent, capable men have an opportunity to heal, talk this out and reconcile with the state of the world today. We need them both. And we actually need one another more than ever. Until then. Will and I are continuing to do what we have done for the last 28 years, and that's to keep figuring out this thing called life together. Thank you for listening. And then she goes into the episode. I didn't watch the whole episode, but it was clear that the episode had been recorded at a separate time than this statement at the beginning. Jada's wearing a different outfit. So I read what she said, and I didn't see anything that problematic with it. I saw people responding to it online. Everyone had a problem with it, but that's just kind of what people do around Jada Pinkett Smith these days. People hate that lady. Like, she's been more villainized about Will slapping Chris Rock than I think Will has. Like, people are just convinced that Jada made him do that and that Will, like, I mean, she's controlling Will's mind. She's poisonous for him. She's poisonous for the marriage. It's so wild to me how the perception of this couple has changed so much. And I, I remember back in the day, and I mean, I mean, again, this is like I haven't been in Essence since 2011. And I know I talk about Essence a lot, but it was a really like pivotal time in my life. And I learned a lot of things about 
media and culture and celebrity and also journalism. But I remember there used to be all these rumors. Like once a year, there was a rumor that Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith were divorcing, separated, breaking up. And people would just have these meltdowns in our comments section. Like, you know, if Jada and Will can't make it, who can? The Smiths are my favorite couple. Like the Smiths are why I believe in black love. People really, really idolized this couple. I think they still like Will. I mean, despite what happened at the Oscars, I think the vast majority of black people, especially, you acknowledge like he was dead ass wrong, but also people are like, just get the fuck over it. It was just a slap. Did anybody die? But people just hate Jada Pinkett Smith now. She could come out and beg for forgiveness and I don't think people would accept it. Like people just, they don't want to like her. Um, They want her to be their villain. They also, they don't want Will Smith to not be their hero. It's easier to scapegoat Jada instead of holding Will accountable for Will did. So you'll hold Jada accountable so you can still think of Will Smith as your opening weekend, your 4th of July opening weekend blockbuster. It's weird. It's also Cosby-esque and R. Kelly-esque. He makes great music. He's the father I never had. He's a great representation of black men. And you get so few positive role models or people people who look like you who get to the top. Then when one of your heroes, your icons, does something fucking crazy, you'll like mind been to pretend really that's what it is to pretend they didn't do what they did i think that's also what's happening with jada pinkett smith whatever so jada says this i see people talking about it online i wasn't really going to address it because nothing that she said really rose to the occasion for me i i probably would have just addressed it as you know just regular news i would have read it to you and been like okay whatever vivica fox and carlson it's not Daly. What is Carlson's last name? The, um, the blonde guy from Queer Eye. The fun one. I like him. You know what I'm talking about. He and Vivica are hosting, were hosting Wendy. I don't know if it was for the day, for the week. They usually have people on for the week. I saw this clip that was circulating. So Carlson asked Vivica, he says, well, you know, what did you think of, of Jada Pinkett Smith? You know, she's finally addressed the slap. Like, like what were your thoughts? And Vivica gets all like deep breaths, like, you know, she's very disturbed. And she says, you know, I've worked with with both Will and Jada, set it off with Jada. And then I did um, Independence Day with Will Smith, which, you know, changed the trajectory of my career. Okay, what what are you about to say, ma'am? She said when she watched Jada on Red Table addressing the Oscar slap, she said she wanted to cry. She said she felt it was very What's the word she used? I want to I want to make sure I quote it correctly because I was like, girl, what? But she was like very dramatic. Like Vivica seemed like she's about to cry again on the stage. And I was like, ma'am, over a woman addressing the Oscars for all. It might have been 60 seconds. She said Jada's response was self-righteous. And I'm reading this on page six just to make sure I get the details right. I did watch the clip. She said it made me cry. I really felt that to be a partner to Will Smith whose career basically took a crumble that night, I felt to be a good partner, there was no accountability. Accountability for what? Jada Pinkett Smith did not slap Chris Rock. She sat in her chair. Even if the way people are speculating, Jada gave Will a look, or even if she like, you know, growled at him and was like, slap him, fight him on my behalf. Like some evil Disney villain or some shit. Will is a grown-ass man. He is a 50-something-year-old man. He could have been like, you sound fucking crazy. I'm not doing that shit. That's nuts. 
she can't force him to do that. He is a grown ass man. He is not a child. Will Smith is entirely and totally accountable for his actions. As his wife, she should have shown more accountability. For what? For what? Also, what possibly could Jada say? Because Jaden came out the day after it happened and was like something like, oh, the Smiths, that's how we roll, something like that. People raked him over the coals for that too, for standing with his dad. If Jada Pinkett Smith came out and was like, yes, my husband smacked the fuck out this man and I'm glad he did it. People would be like, you're a ghetto bird from Baltimore who after all these years has no home training. That's all people would say. If she came out and said, I don't condone what my husband did, people would be like, you evil, non-supportive bitch. How are you not going to publicly side with your husband? Married women would be writing all sorts of essays and tweets how you're supposed to stand by your man in public and you can you can say whatever you need to say at home. But when you disagree with your man, that's not public business. Folks do not like Jada Pinkett Smith. There is nothing she could say. Me personally, if I was her, I wouldn't address none of y'all. I would pretend the whole thing didn't fucking happen. I would just go on and do my red table talk and I just keep doing it until y'all fucking forgot about it. People are still watching. I don't know if the ratings are up or down, but I know every single episode, people are overanalyzing everything she says. So somebody's tuning in, but I would just act like the whole shit never happened. But that's me though, because she can't do anything right. There's nothing she could say. People don't like her. People will find fault with whatever she says. And Vivica, man, that's your industry peer. Or she was at one point. I think you and Will Smith's career went in different directions, no? But you got a lot of nerve. You got a lot of nerve. I can see if Jada did something that was blatantly wrong. Like if it was something worth speaking up about to be like, you know, this is this was really inappropriate. Like the people who spoke up like post Will Smith slap and was like, yo, that wasn't that wasn't good. I can't condone that. Like love Will, support Will. Like, but you can't get on. You can't get up at the Oscars and slap somebody in the damn face. I've understood the people who spoke out then because that was something that was blatantly wrong. But Jada didn't really say anything crazy. And to go and nitpick this and talk about I cried and call it self-righteous. While sitting up as a stand-in as a Wendy show, which is the best gig she's had in years. Ma'am. Ma'am. What do you gain from that? I feel like sometimes folks just need to be a little more strategic about things. Will and Jada are quote-unquote down right now. Will Smith is a walking industry. He's down for the moment. Will Smith's not staying down. This is not the end of Will Smith's career. He generates too much fucking money. Vivica just burned a bridge for no goddamn reason. They'll be back. Will will be back. Jada, I don't know. You know, I like to say on here, just keep living. Like, the shit turns around quick. Who do we just talk about? It's two people. One of them was Bozeman St. John. We talked about how, like, earlier this year, people were like, oh, she must be a fraud because Netflix let her go. Then Netflix tanked, and people were like, oh, shit, she might be a genius. She got off the boat before it sank. That was, what, 10 weeks turnaround? Tops. Will will be back. Give it another year. That wasn't very smart on Vivica's part. Also, I know we talked about Monique and D.L. Hughley on a previous episode. They've both responded again publicly. Monique did an IG live with her husband, with daddy. I, I didn't see it. I was in Cancun. I heard about it. One of my friends was watching and she said in the first 30 seconds, she called that man daddy and she was like, I'm done. I'm not watching this shit. And then D.L. Hughley addressed it on his radio show. I just read about it. I didn't go watch the show. But they said D.L. Hughley was like, you know, you insulted me. You insult my wife. What do either one of us have to do with your contract? Okay. I could go look it up and find out what they said and then form an opinion and then share it with you. I don't care that much. 
I don't I don't care that much. I still haven't seen either one of them be like, fuck this event promoter for playing us against each other, which is all I'm waiting for, because that's really what y'all beef is. If y'all don't recognize that at this point and y'all are not addressing the event promoter and I don't need to know about it. Just go do that behind the scenes. Take me out the group chat. I want to leave the group. I don't want to be part of this group chat anymore. I'm, I, I don't I'm not, I don't want to be involved. But if y'all go take that shit up with the promoter and, and stop going back and forth with one another. I also saw somewhere Monique has said uh, she was just making jokes and DL got tender. Ma'am, you got on a stage, on a microphone and called that man a bitch ass nigga in public and said his wife should be ashamed to suck his dick. And then going to be like, oh, he got tender. Ma'am, do you not hear the words coming out of your mouth? If you was a man, you would have got punched in the face for that shit. Those are fighting words. People have been fought for less. He got tender. What in the gaslighting? Monique is. I say I want the best for Monique. I think I say that because, like, you know, as a black woman, you're supposed to support other black women. But sometimes you just got to be like, enough. Enough. I'll leave it at that. I ain't really trying to drag black women today. I'm sorry. I'm about to wrap up this episode and I just check my, check my DM. Somebody just sent me a clip that Monique just posted of D.L. Hughley. I'm not. I don't, I don't feel like engaging with this shit today. Oh, last but not least, this should have been under good black news at the top of the episode. I'm sorry. It was a last minute thing I came across. So I put it at the bottom of the list, but it is not at the bottom of importance. We'll say that this is the last, but it's not the least. Um, Ajwane Ellis. She's been in so many things, but my favorite two are Hippolyta from Lovecraft Country. And then also when she played, um, what's the mother? The gospel mother. You know that Lifetime series? It was really good. She's in King Richard, which is why people are paying so much attention to her right now. Clark Sisters. She was in the Clark Sisters. She played Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. But she's in the news now because she, um, she came out in Variety. She says she is a proud bisexual woman. She says, I am queer. This is who I am. In this Variety article, it talks about how for award season, particularly at the Essence Black Women in Hollywood event, which I was at, she wore a red hot Dolce & Gabbana suit jacket. And she says the word queer was spelled out in rhinestones on the left arm of the jacket. And she said, but nobody in the press line asked her about it. And nobody inside the ballroom did either. She said, I was thinking, why didn't more people pay attention? And I was like, they probably thought it said queen. <laughs> they said, she said one of her family members noticed, but nobody else did. She goes on further to say that her family already knew that she was bisexual. She's 53 years old. She's been open about it with her friends and family for years. She said her family told her they were hurt by her choice to express her sexuality so proudly and in such a public setting. Oh, family. Oh, family. We got to do better. We still telling people we hurt because they proud to be who they are. Get over yourselves. I, I mean that with the bass in my voice. Get the fuck over yourselves. But Ajane, she said she realized she was queer from the time she was eight. She also might have realized she was a feminist. She said she was in Sunday school questioning misogyny in the Bible, asking, why does a woman have to be submissive to a man? I've been asking myself that same question for most of my life as well. And then she says there was another thing she didn't understand. She said when she was a teenager, she remembers trying to train herself to be attracted to boys, trying to talk my body into the correct behavior. She said it wasn't until she was in her 30s that she fully acknowledged that she was bisexual. She's also currently in an 11-year relationship with a man she met at church. <laughs> Variety asked her why her sexuality hasn't come up in the media sooner. 
they said Ellis laughed and said, nobody asked. They said, even though last year's awards season generated some of the greatest Hollywood fanfare Ellis has received in her nearly 30-year career, twice Emmy-nominated career, her personal life has never really come up. She asked, how do you work that into the conversation in the middle of me talking about this movie? She says, I'm not that chick. My job was to talk about King Richard, the Williams family, these wonderful young women I worked with, Will Smith's incredible work in that movie. I wasn't going to be like, and by the way, in case you haven't heard yet. <laughs> and now they have a picture of her outfit from, from the Essence Awards. She has on a bright red outfit. It's really giving suit and tie. It's very androgynous, but literally queer. It's not even a small letter going down like the length of her forearm. It's, it's pretty big. I think the R in queer is backwards. I don't know if that's enough to throw people off. It still very clearly says queer. All right. That's one way to come out. But good for her. I like her acting tons. But I think it's episode eight. I am. I think it's one of the best episodes of television I've, I've ever seen. I said that about, it was another Misha Green show. Now that I think about it, I said that about Aisha Hines playing Harriet Tubman on Underground. And I'm also thinking of Ajwane Ellis in Lovecraft Country. But that's the episode for this week. Again, if you haven't picked up your merch for Ratchet and Respectable or Don't Waste Your Pretty, head on over to DemetriaLLucas.com. We're clearing out this warehouse before I go to Ghana. If you've not purchased your merch, please purchase your merch. I don't know when or if merch will be on sale again. So this is your opportunity to get some while it's on sale. Sale is always good. So... I'm going to go edit this. It'll be up on Friday afternoon. Thanks for your patience. My voice actually feels a lot better. Go figure. All right. We will talk again next week. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. If you are living in America, try not to be a victim of yet another mass shooting. Because apparently we're doing those daily now. All right. Bye. Bye.